Hey everyone, this is Arnold Byun with Warm Welcome, where every Wednesday we meet the makers behind the most beloved restaurants to share their stories, struggles, and success. Today we're featuring Jay Lee, the chef and owner of No One, a Korean restaurant named after Jay's hometown in Seoul that opened the East Village in November 2019 that is known for their non-traditional Korean fare. Well, what is non-traditional Korean fare? It's fair to say it's a cuisine that is a combination of Jay's hard work and hustle. Leading up to opening his own restaurant, Jay ran his pop-up called Him at Black Emperor's Bar in the East Village back in February on a six-month agreement. It was a tremendous feat and the next chapter four for Jay, who spent years in kitchens dating back to his college days working at a ramen shop simply as a means to get by. He would land a breakthrough by becoming the opening executive chef for Iron Chef Masaharu Morimoto and his new concept Momosan, which featured ramen and sake. It was a first of its kind. It's since been replicated in other cities such as Seattle and Waikiki. His experience building the blueprint would have him be recruited by chef celebrity Dale Talde for his since-closed Rice and Gold in Hotel 50 Bari. In this episode, you'll be able to dive into how these residencies and papas that you often see work behind the scenes, as well as how Jay opened up no one in record time. In fact, in a matter of just two months, he signed a lease in September and opened in November. It was an entire family affair where everyone contributed to the identity of the eatery. To begin his journey, we have to bring it back to a neighborhood in the South Korean capital called No One. It was here where he firmly cemented his cultural roots and had his first encounter with a food memory that he can still recall. Both my parents, my younger brother, my grandma, we, that's how we lived, you know, in like a two bedroom apartment. Wow. Yeah. No one was like part of, part of the city, but also like it was on the east side. So it was more like- It's kind of on the outskirts, right? Right, right, yeah. right. So, you know, we, during the summer, we would leave our apartment front apartment door open and it would be safe. Oh, it's one of those towns, yeah. Yeah, it's a city, but not. It'd be five minute walk from uh, from a mountain where wow. me and my grandma, we would climb. We just loved drinking natural spring water from there, things like that. That's amazing. Nighttime, I went there recently, five years ago, my grandmother passed away. Yeah. And I spent a little time there with my, my, my parents, my, my family, and there's also a nightlife there, you know, lots of like drinking spots. So it's still vibrant, Yeah. but it's like a good mix. Nice. Um, so that's where I grew up. And the food that I remember grow eating growing up in Korea was lots of comfort food. Mm. You know, my, my favorite thing to eat yeah. was like uh, sesame rice. Changirum, changirum, yeah, it's so simple, know? but so good. So good, yeah. right? <laughs> like I could eat, like I could eat that. And I remember when I was like six years old, I have, a, I have a younger brother. He's yeah. a year younger. Yeah. And he was hungry. And my mom was in like a cooking class or something. Yeah. So I, I tried to make this for him when I was like six. So I, there, was some, there was some rice in the rice cooker. I took that and I just added some sesame oil. Yeah. And it tasted so bad. Oh. It just tasted like nothing, you know? <laughs> and like I laid my younger brother. I was six years old. My younger brother was like five. five. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, all right, sit down on this kitchen floor. Here, take this rice. Here, eat it. And he eats and he's like, oh, like, big bro, I don't like this. What, really? All right, let me try. I tried it. I'm like, wow, this is so bad. So I was so frustrated. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how I called my mom, but on my t on my telephone, home phone, there was like a, a button for like the last called number. Right. So I pressed that. And then it was like her uh, cooking, like classmate. And I was like, oh, in Korean, I'm like, oh, hi, is my mom there? 
And oh, she's like, uh-huh. wait, who is this? I was like, oh, it's it's me, Jay. And he's like, and she's like, oh yeah, your mom is here. How'd you get this number? Number? And like, I'm like, I don't know. I just called it, and my mom picks up, and I'm like, I t- she was like shocked. She's like, wait, why are you calling me? How did you even get this number? I was like, mom, I made sesame rice, and it tastes so bad. And she's like, all right, just don't throw that out. Just leave it. She came home later that night and she fixed it. You know, she added like a touch of soy sauce, a touch of butter, yeah. you know, and, and then it tasted, it tasted good. good. <laughs> and, then, and I was like, okay, I get it now, you know. Oh, uh, you said your mom, did, did she run the cooking class? No, she just loved to like attend and learn cooking. Wow. Uh, just learn cooking. Yeah. Um, she, her, so my grandma from my mom's side owned a Korean, like a traditional Korean restaurant. Really? So my mom and her siblings used to work there. Like Interesting. Every week. And my mom's job was like working the floor and also working in the kitchen. Wow. Did you have an interest in, in cooking growing up since you were around this? Or? No, zero. I had zero interest. Um, I just loved playing Counter-Strike. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I love like watching Dragon Ball and just play playing basketball and skateboarding. Every Korean's childhood is... Uh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So you grew up in Korea, but when did you guys move over here? We moved here in 97, so I was eight years old. Got it. Um, the whole family, minus my grandma. So it was my parents and my brother and I. Wow. What, yeah. made, what made you guys make that move? And you moved to New York, correct? Yeah, yeah. we moved to uh, Jamaica, Queens. Yeah. We moved here because my parents just wanted, I guess, a different like life. Yeah. Like a better opportunity for, for sure. us, I guess. I thought we were doing pretty well in Korea. Like We weren't like struggling, yeah. you know? But you know, my, my parents, I guess my dad had bigger dreams. For yeah, us. For you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we moved to Jamaica, Queens, and I went to elementary school out there. Moved around to yeah. Flushing. Uh, spent a few years in Flushing, Queens. Yeah. Then we moved to Floral Park, like Long Island. Long Island, yeah. And then Hicksville, where yeah. I graduated high school. And then I just moved out after I, you know, finished high school. After high school, Jay decided to pursue nursing school. Like many who find themselves in the restaurant industry, Jay's initial experience dates back to his time in college as he worked as a line cook at a small neighborhood ramen shop. In this next chapter, you'll hear us talking about a life-changing book, none other than the late Anthony Bourdain's Kinch Confidential, an instant classic, as well as his experiences working for chef celebrities Masaharu Morimoto and Dale Talde. Even when I was going to Hunter College for a nursing program, yeah. like trying to get into the nursing program, I was working in a restaurant yeah. already um, as, a, as a ramen cook at a ramen shop. And when I failed chemistry, I spoke to my dad. I was like, "Dad, I don't think nursing is for me." But but he was he wasn't even like surprised by that, right? He's like, "Yo, you change your minds on oh, so many times before." I see. Yeah. You're like, and he would just go into lecture mode. He's like, "Oh, you wanted to be a basketball player, then you wanted to be a professional skateboarder." Did you really? Yeah, like all these <laughs> things. He's like, "Then you wanted to be this." Or a baseball player, now. yeah. And then you want to do nursing. Now you, what do you want to do? Right, yeah. got it, got it, got it. Got it's got like it. rubbing it in my face. Yeah. And I was like, Dad, I want to, I want to try cooking. Wow. I mean, I'm cooking now, so I, I think, I think I, I enjoyed a lot, and I think I can do well. Yeah. He was, he was just kind of like disappointed, you know. He's like, like we moved all the way to America, and you want to just cook, that right. kind of thing, you know. Like that's what the bottom line was, right? Right. He's like, you want to struggle for the rest of your life, kind of thing dad I don't I, I really enjoy it so he's like alright try I transferred to City Tech and my girlfriend at the time she was like hey you know you should read this book if you really want to go into this got it and she gifted it to me mm. like she didn't even tell me she was getting it for me she gifted it to me it was a and wrote like a little note in the front and I read it the same day she gave it to me I read it 
all the way through. And like I read it and I was like, yo, this is it. Like, yeah. I love it. You read that multiple times, I, I, I heard too. I think I read it like three times. Three times, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Is that when it kind of clicked for you that this could be a viable career path for you? Like being in the restaurant industry? Um, I think at that point, I, 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 I had a feeling that this is, this could really be it, right? Yeah. I wasn't like, like absolutely sure. Yeah. Because I haven't really experienced um, like a real like kitchen environment, but like reading the book, getting my dad's permission, transferring schools, getting a different job in like a brigade system kitchen. Yeah, at Michael's. Yeah, I really felt like it was like making, I was making all the right choices. Yeah. Two chefs I want to highlight, Masaharu Morimoto and yeah. Dale. Very different people. Very different, I'm sure. And I want to yeah. learn more about, you know, your kind of like working dynamic with them, what it was like yeah. working for those two guys. Momo-san was the first time that I was an executive chef. I had all the responsibilities of back of the house on my shoulders. And that was not easy because, first of all, Momo-san was a brand new concept. It was, yeah. This was based on nothing. There's no blueprint. So just to like put, put you know, make it more, make, make it really make sense for people that's listening. A restaurant, for example, like Morimoto, there's a blueprint. The recipes are there, right? The specs are there. The plates are all picked out. The kitchen's structure is, is laid out. You're like, this is the how many bodies you need. You just have to find each person to fill the role. Same thing with front of the house, things like that, right? But with Momo-san, it's just made up. It's all a theory, right? Until you put it, until you like actually do it, you don't even know how many people you need, right? It's only a guess. It's yeah, an intelligent it's a guessing guess. Game, yeah, yeah, it's a guessing game. And Morimoto, obviously, like every business owner wants to save every dollar. He's like, yo, you don't need, you don't need sous chefs. You run it by yourself. You really don't think I need a sous chef? He's like, no, you cook, you cook and you expo. At this point, like I've, I kind of understand a great deal about kitchen operation and flow. Yeah. I'm like, yo, there's no way I can like expo and cook at the same it's, time. That's crazy. I, I know it, right? Yeah. The amount of dishes on the menu, I'm like, there's no way, right? One week before we like do friends and family, he's like, okay, you can hire one sous chef. One week before like, friends yeah. and- The sous chef I got, he, it was his first time being a sous, you know, but I've worked with him briefly before. And as long as you get my back and you push with me and you ride, and you ride with me, you know, we're good. And then a week after we open, he realizes we need another sous chef. He's like, yo, this is crazy. Like this amount of work, how much prep to do in the morning, like the responsibilities of an AM chef. He sees it now. He's like, all right, you, you can hire one more. I'm sure it was still a great experience for you, right? I mean, it was great. I would never change anything about that. I learned a lot. Dude, I worked like three and a half months straight without a single day off. Like I think the I think I worked on average like 110 hours. And when I say that, like I'm not even exaggerating. One week, the most I ever worked was like 120 hours. Yeah. And I was just like running on fumes at that point. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, it was crazy. And my and I lost like 30 pounds in three weeks. My mom was happy about that. My brother wanted the secret. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what is going on here? You know? So, uh, dude, before we before we get to your restaurant and talking about um, you know, what you're up to, uh, one restaurant I feel like we should talk about is Rice and Gold, because yes. I think that's kind of um, another interesting opportunity for you. You were executive chef there. Yeah. I feel like by this time, you've kind of have your philosophy down pat, you know, your leadership style probably. So yeah. tell me, tell me about that time. Rice and gold was a very, was rockier than Momo-san really? in different ways. It was a hotel, it was in hotel operation. It so was you, were you guys doing breakfast, lunch, dinner? Yeah. <sighs> breakfast, lunch, dinner, in-room dining, that's a, that's private crazy. events. That's another level, you know, like hotel restaurants, that's, Yo, no, but on top of that, there was um, 
okay, so breakfast, lunch, dinner at Rice and Gold, right? Yeah. In room, in room dining at Rice and Gold, right? From Rice and yeah, Gold. Yeah, yeah. Then there were private events for the hotel, yeah. private events for the restaurant, yeah. private events for the rooftop bar. Dude. And the rooftop bar had like a snack program that ran <laughs> seven days a week. So it was a lot, you it's know? It's never closed. Just not, it's always open. Yeah. yeah. So going in there, I realized there are a lot of people in, the, in, this, in this industry that just suck. I just turned 30 and I start to see like what people are really about now. I have a knack for just feeling people out now. And yeah. I can Cause you, tell- you've probably worked with so many people at this yeah. point. Yeah. My philosophy is very different than his, you know? And um, I came in to be the guy to fix the problem, except it backfired on Dale and me. Different lessons. I think here at Momosan, I was given the opportunity and I learned a lot about like, on just like making it happen and fixing stuff on the fly and to create a system from scratch, right? And then I'm, Rice and Gold was, was that, but in a bigger volume, bigger like scale, way bigger, much bigger scale. And I had to fight adversity yeah. for like the first time in my life. This year has been a big year for you, you know? And earlier this year in February, I think is when you decided to do your pop-up called yeah. Him, right? Yeah. Tell us about Him. I know, I mean, Koreans know it means strength, but tell me a little bit more about the concept and how you came up with that. And Before New Year's last year, I had a really, had a really good like work-life balance at that point. I was working Monday through Friday, like 10 a.m. to wow, 10 nice. p.m. Weekends um, off. Yeah. I started CrossFitting, going on dates, you know, meeting my friends for dinner. I'm like, hey, you wanted to grab dinner? I'm doing all these things. And yeah. then and then something clicked, right? I'm yeah. like, yo, I'm turning 30 next year. Do I want to really be in a state of comfort right now? I think 20s, 20s is like when you really learn. I mean, learning never stops, but 20s is when you really learn from the bottom up. 30s is when you take action and really make a name for yourself. And then 40s, you kind of take a step back and you let, you, you, you choose the people to like, running for you kind of thing. Mm. That, I don't know. That's kind of That's like how you've head. been, yeah. Yeah. I had this like epiphany, right? I'm like, you know, I'm turning 30. I have a, co- I have a good job, six-figure salary, great benefit, like health, dent- like dental, vision, like all the benefits. Yeah. Also, you became just, just to spotlight, you became a citizen last year as well. Yeah, I became yeah. a citizen. Um, you know, God bless America. I love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, everything was just, it was good, right? Yeah. And then I was like, yo, I, I can't be in a state of comfort I want to open my own restaurant. I don't know exactly what that's going to be. Yeah. Like Rice and Gold was kind of like a good place for me because like Dale Taldi for sure was a great mentor in that sense because he, even though he's not an immigrant, like he represents the Asian American race to the fullest. Yeah. And he's really instilled a new like way of thinking to me. When I started doing pop-ups in February, um, I did it at Boys Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. And Jake and Max, they're my guys. Like they're the owners over there. Really cool dudes. I met them like months prior, months, months prior. And they just open and they're like, yo, like you're a chef. I know you work at 50 Bowery as a chef there. Can you do a pop-up here? I was like, dude, I can't just do a pop-up, you know? Mm. But I'm like, yo, but we'll hold that thought and we can revisit it later. Got it. And when I wanted to quit, I approached them and I was like, hey, can we we talk about pop-up? And they're like, yeah. And then, and then we worked out the dates. We locked it down. When I quit, um, and I did I did two two events that Boys Don't Cry. When you when you did these events, did you do it under the him name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so him concept was basically I, I needed a name for my pop-up right. events. Right. And I knew that I don't want to say like Jay Lee, I don't know, you know, or like 
come up with like a cheesy name. I don't yeah. know. I, and I and I knew I wanted to like focus on my roots, my Korean American roots. And I'm like, yo, I, I kind of like the the idea of like double meanings, right? Yes. Because I because when because and I first saw this at um, when Simon. Yeah. Si- Simon Kim, and we he's from Long Island too. You yeah, know? he so is. So I'm yeah. like, I love your way of thinking. So I, I took that, I borrowed, I was inspired by that. So I borrowed that concept from him, 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 like strength, mm. me, him. And I wanted to like, and, and that idea came because I wanted to sell like panchan too, right? Untraditional panchan and call it panchan by her. That was the idea. Ah, yeah, yeah, that was the idea. Cool, man. Him. And then her would be um, like my mom, you know? Nice. Like I like mom. that. That's awesome. So I did these events and I was also working as a freelancer at um, Ruffian Wine Bar while I was doing. Really? Yeah, because those are my friends. We worked together like 10 years ago. Wow. And they needed someone like bad. And yeah. I was like, yo, man, if it works out for both of us, they reached out to me and it worked out. So I would spend a few days there and do my pop-ups on the awesome. side. Awesome, yeah. And then one day, this guy named John Bush called me because he needed a chef, like a pop-up chef for Black Emperor Bar. And he's like, yo, can you please come in? And that's when my I agreed to a six-month stay. And I stayed the six months. The first two months there, dude, I was so slow. Because the bar just opened, but the bar was slow. Like, they had a PR team that did nothing. And I was like, yo, I can't pay rent. Because the deal is I pay rent, a monthly rent. I pay a portion of utilities, all that stuff. Pay for the grease trap cleaning, the hood cleaning. So everything in the kitchen was me. Back of the house labor, me. Purchasing food, me. And the, the trade-off, there's no trade-off. I pay rent, except it's my own, like, little vendor. You got to think of me as a vendor at like a smorgasbord, right? Except I'm the only vendor there. Yeah. And this bar has no clout to it and like... Nothing. Exactly. Yeah, so... And then at the end of the week, they would print out a food... Like a food report. Like the food sales. Yeah. And then I would get... The, they would pay me uh, out. So the, the money that I that's sold how the it food. Worked out. Yeah. So they didn't pay me a single thing. Like we were... You know, I was basically like a vendor within a bar. I was losing like thousands of dollars. I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know... Yeah. I'm like, I got to do something. Right. Uh-huh. So I started reaching out to a lot of influencers, comping a lot of meals, reaching out to like YouTube personalities. So, you, so you're doing the PR yourself because you're like, you, you have to do something about it, right? Yeah. I mean, my girlfriend, Rebecca Chu, she helped out so much. She was just very encouraging and very supportive and and really like introduced me to the people that are up there that are very relevant. It's just, it's so funny. Like even in, in, in that in this, like in that circle, there are people that you fuck with and there's like people you're like, yo, how do you have 60,000 followers and you have like 30 likes? How does that make, you, know, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, it's like they see that shit. Yeah. And, and she would be like, nah, don't invite this person. I don't think. Nice. So she you was know, like vetting she, that. Yeah. She, she like filtered it for me. So I was like, yo, that's amazing. Right. Um, and then one day, I think it was like sometime in June, I think it's June or like July. Gothamist came in. Scott. Scott Lynch. I had no idea. He, he came in to eat three times and I had no idea, right? On the third time, I actually see him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, like I heard, I, I, you came in. I, I think my friend saw, he saw you and, and you, I wanted you to come out. Him, yeah. I wanted to come out and say hi yeah. and you were gone. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, well, I'm here to try two more things. And I'm like, yeah, what, what do you want? You know, he's like, oh, some wings and the burger. I'm like, all right, sure. And then when he's le- when he was leaving, he goes, Our, uh, my review is coming out next Tuesday. And I'm like, amazing. He's like, he's like, but I didn't tell you if it's good or bad. Yeah. And I, I just went, dude, you licked, the, you licked the plates clean. Like there was nothing left on your plate. I kind of know. I have, I have a good feeling about this. And I'm just thankful. Thank you so much for coming. And he's like, I wonder if it'll be good. And then he walked out. 
And then that, that next Tuesday, I was eating, eating dinner with my girlfriend, Rebecca, at a chef's club, eating like a tasting menu. And then and that, the article came out that like day, right? Like 12. And I'm getting messages. And I was closed every Tuesday at Black Emperor. And I was getting messages from the, like the partner of the bar. They're like, hey, um, 50 people are coming. Like a bunch of people, probably around 50 people came in so far asking about your burger. Yeah, you it know? blew up. That's when I knew It got on my radar too I was like This is crazy Yeah that's when I knew Like I'm like I'm onto something right Yeah now. I'm like And th- that's when I decided I'm like that's it I'm looking for restaurant spaces Oh Cause I didn't know If that was gonna take me Like year Yeah Four months a year. I don't know But the process has to be I have to start I can't put it on the back burner I have to start looking um, Get a good understanding Of the market Then I would Have a better idea Of the location the size and that's that's when I started looking one day this this dude comes in he's on Instagram he messages me he's like you know I'm a broker I'm like all right cool he's like I'm gonna come in eat tomorrow night so I can introduce myself to you he comes in he actually comes in and brings like a manila folder with like a few like spaces like a few spaces yeah this business card and he orders a burger drinks a beer and he leaves (laughs) okay and then he goes dude that was the best burger I've had in my life I'm gonna be the one to find you your space damn really all right, whatever, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know? yeah, you brush it off, yeah. During this time, I'm still looking at, every week I'm looking at two spaces, Williamsburg, wow. Lower East Side. Everywhere. And then he messages me, one, he texts me one morning and he goes, this is like maybe three months later or something like that. He goes, hey, um, I think I found your space. You have to come look at it right now. It just came on the market. Like, I found your space. This is it. So he sends it to me and I'm like, yo, man, 750 square feet, that's a little small. He's like, I know it sounds small. Can you just come look at it, please? So I go and look and I'm like, yo, this is not bad at all. This is, so this is the space I found. And I'm like, yo, man, like there's a basement, walk-in fridge, walk-in freezer. There's good kitchen space. There's a small office space. It's built out already. I'm like, yo, this is it. And then my dad came in. I invited my dad to come look at it with me. He came in twice to look at it with me. And then um, he's like, all right, do it. If you want to do it, I'll support you. Do it. Damn, dude. So that's how it happened. Fast forward to now, Jay has secured a space in East Village on Avenue A and 6th Street. We talked about the significance behind the name No One and his concept of non-traditional Korean fare. No One, spelled, it's spelled N-O-W-O-N. It's the name of my hometown in Korea where I was born and raised. I have really fond memories there. It's very nostalgic to me, mm-hmm. not only to me, but like my family. Absolutely. It's where I went to school, elementary school. It's where I met my first girlfriend climbed mountains like went on went on a trail with my grandma to drink natural spring water and i decided on the name because i didn't want to use the word him right i was like i I like the meaning behind it yeah but it's not sticking yeah you know i'm like and i love the logo you know i love the way it looks but it's not sticking i don't know i was just like yo like pop up to a restaurant i don't want to call it the same thing even though i might lose like a little bit of like momentum changing the name for a permanent space what I hope to expand, I need a different name. And I came up with the name No One. And the double meaning is like no one, like nobody, no one. Like I also love the way it sounds because again, like I don't want to talk about like my how important I am as an individual, but who I am within a culture, how how big the culture is to me, you know? Yeah. And to the community. Yeah. You know? And and it's beyond me. Yeah, it's, I'm no, I'm no, I'm nobody. Yeah, I'm no one. But it's a, it's about us. What is this restaurant gonna look like in terms of like what are you offering? I'm calling it untraditional or non-traditional Korean fare. I'm gonna take 
ingredients that are Korean yeah. or draw inspiration from Korean cuisine. Sure. Put a touch on it with like- Your New York my, swag. My, my New York swag, you know? <laughs> Competed on Chopped. Yeah, I saw. And one of the producers like asked me, what's New York swag? How can you make your food with New York swag? Like raw, you don't care mentality. Yeah. Like you're gonna get it, you know? Yeah. I think it'll be between maybe like 13 to like 16 menu items. A little smaller like section like medium and then like the larger rice and some yeah. protein section. So it'll be interesting to like what the menu will actually look like yeah, after I say this. Exactly. And you know, I'm really excited because I think it's it's a great way for me to represent for the for the Asian Americans now. Because yeah. you know, I think we're we're past the whole like like bulgogi cheesesteak. So something that's uh, that I wanna make sure we, we highlight, right, is I've been following you on Instagram. It's it's an all hands on deck project yes. right your dad's like building things for you your brother's designing things for you your mom's like probably helping you cook and come up with recipe like t- tell me about this whole process my parents have funded the restaurant project as well as well as i have and my brother as well yeah it's a whole um, family the affair whole family yeah. you know my dad he's the one he built the tables himself that's crazy um he's a carpenter by trade he did the walls yeah. the cement walls he did all the painting he did all the little like adjustments, you know, fixing the doors, changing out doors, like all, all those things, you know. From my mom, she passed on a lot of like her like family recipes to me, her kimchi recipe, which I've been using for the last like six years. My brother, he has a very creative eye. He has a great eye to design. That's his biggest strength. He's a very artsy person. So he did a lot of like picking out chairs for me. Just like every little thing, yeah. like, you know, helping me choose. So it's a whole family affair. Yeah. Why do you do it? Why do you do what you do? Why restaurants? I'm doing it because because I really want to do it. I mean, I do really want to do it, but it's kind of like what's laid out to me, you know? It's so natural and organic to me. It, it, it might sound silly and weird, but this is what I'm destined to do. After doing a lot of soul searching, like like I said, you know, it's not, it's not about me. Dude, I'm no one. It's really about the culture that I'm representing to give a bigger voice to the younger generations to come. Cause man, when I was when I was eight years old in America, I wish I had a older like Asian American like brother or sister that was very influential to me, that kind of set the wave and set and paved the way for us. Like I always like I wasn't insecure. Maybe I was. I don't know. But like growing up, I always thought like, man, like it's because I'm Asian, I can't mm-hmm. do this or mm-hmm, do, mm-hmm. you know that kind absolutely, of absolutely, absolutely. You know. So ten years from now, I want to hear the younger kids right now, Jay, you're the reason why I decided to do this. Not just like cooking, but you're the reason why I went to do this business or like do this or do love pursue that. this project. Yeah. Like that is, that is the biggest joy to me. Yeah. And I think that'll bring the most, that'll be the most gratifying, gratifying. thing. Building a restaurant and making recipes, that's fun too, but there are bigger things than this. Yeah. You know? I love that. To show what hard work can succeed can lead to yeah. and to fight against your adversities and stay positive and to stay energetic and to stop being like egotistical. It's about you. Yeah. Like, dude, it's not about me or it's not about you. It's about us. Yeah. And that's the, that's the message I want to send. Love the message, Jay. But most importantly, as I'm visiting our conversation in May during the time of the coronavirus, I genuinely miss being able to dine at no one and seeing you there. I had the opportunity to dine in earlier this year, and yes, that menu was invented, the decor was certainly homey, but you can tell that it was a very personal project for Jay. Right now, no one is open during these times for takeout and delivery. Jay is also cooking for those on the front line, our healthcare heroes. To learn more about No One and how you can help, please visit noonenyc.com. This has been Arnold and Jay with Warm Welcome. 
I'll see you next week. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and send it forward to someone you think would be interested in our stories of Asians, immigrants, and restaurant entrepreneurship.